live from the summit in Scottsdale, Arizona, the core presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Jim Reed and Ben Wilson. Today's topic, closing skills. All right, so you're in the closing class. It's realtors and lenders. If you're in the right class, raise your hand. Okay, so in a minute, I'm going to introduce um, my boy, um, Ben Wilson. Uh, before I do that, I just I want to take a minute and, and tell you why I think developing your closing skills are so important moving forward in our industry. Who remembers December of last year? Raise your hand really, really high. So in January of this year, I got a phone call from Todd Screma. You guys know Todd's my best friend, right? If you don't know, he's my best friend. We were college roommates for 10 years. He got done in four years. I never got done. So uh, we were roommates for 10 years. This is my best friend. We stood up at each other's weddings. I mean, this is my boy. You guys understand the level? Like, he's the, uh, what's it called? The executor of my trust. He's the godfather of my children. I call, his kids call me Uncle Jimmy. I mean, this is my boy. He called me about January 10th, and he ripped my ass for 53 minutes. And I am not exaggerating. And I just took it. And he ripped me because I had to lay off people and I wasn't doing it. Have you ever had to lay off people? So I've been, I've been running a branch for over 20 years and I've laid off people twice. The first time I was just trying to get rid of people. It was like two or three people. I just didn't have the guts to fire them. That didn't really count. That didn't hurt. But when I laid off nine people, people who had been with me for 10, 12, 14 years, who were providers for their family... It was a wake-up call. I was looking around the market, and I want to talk to you because it's going to happen shortly. I was looking around the market at the time, and what was happening in, the, in our market? If you're a lender or a realtor, what was happening in the last couple of years? What's happening in the market? In real estate, for example, Ben, what's happening? Think competition. What's happening? Well, we're going from a model that is very much driven on relationships, people interaction, you know, constant availability to an individual to all of a sudden a few clicks of the button and deals are making and happening constantly. So the big box versus the boutique is what's happening now. You're seeing a monumental shift of people and their mindset going to technology over relationship. Yeah. And by people, he means you guys. You understand? He ain't talking about the client. That's what's pissing me off a little bit. I'll get over it. I'm going to get, I'm not mad for very long. But like, I'm personally offended by push button get mortgage. They're starting a relationship with a what? A lie. And you guys are lowering your commission to compete with that. And so was I. Now, why was I doing that? It seemed like the right thing to do at the time. There was margin compression. The industry was changing. All the apps. People can do a mortgage from the, from the soccer game. And I wasn't fighting for my commission. I wasn't following the steps of a sale. I wasn't fighting the little battles along the way to earn my client's trust. Write the word down, trust. That's what closing is all about. The big word is trust. So the market... Like, if you think about the real estate market, what's it called? Purple bricks? I don't understand why they call it purple bricks. <laughs> There's I think purple they bricks. Out. They came into the market. Anymore. They got out. 
uh, Zillow's doing uh, salary, uh, realtors now. Open door. Open door. Open door. You know what open door is? You can go check out a house without ever having a confrontation with a person. There's no sales opportunity. No one shows them the house. No one shows up. The listing agents figure they don't want to pay the buyer's agents and they do open door. Now listen, it's going to take a segment of the market. This is what I want you to realize. Are there going to be people who use open door? It's going to be the people who are flippers and investors and they grind you on your commission anyway. Let them have it. My million and a half dollar house, I'm not using open door, are you? So just realize that as you, as you go into this market change, that you have to be a boutique. What's it like when you go to a boutique suit shop, Ben? Very relational. They're asking all the right questions. They're very involved. They want and they emotionally are going to connect with you nine times out of ten and walk you from the beginning of that process all the way to the end. And every time there's a hiccup, they're right there to cover your mouth so you don't spit up on yourself. Yeah, here's what it looks like when I walk into mine. I walk in, they say, Jim, where you been? I'm like, hey, hey, hey. He's like, come over here for a second. And he runs me over to the thing and he flips open two books. And he's like, dude, we just got some new fabrics. I thought of you. Check out this blue one. I know you only wear blue. Can we get you a different color this time? Maybe. Okay, just blue. So here's some ones with stripes. Here's, oh, wait, we got new shirts too. Open this book. Here's the new white with a little pattern. I know you like a little bit of pattern. Here's two blue ones with ones with stripes, ones without. Which one do you want and how many? That's a boutique shop, right? He says, let me just throw a thing around here. Make sure you haven't lost or gained any weight. You look like you might have gained a little weight, buddy. That's a boutique suit shop. And so I gladly pay double. I go to Nordstrom's, which is really nice. I get catered to. Or I could download an app and do it myself. You guys understand that what we're trying to create? You guys need to think about your businesses as a boutique suit shop. I don't know what it's like in a dress shop. My guess it's similar. They got dresses they don't have anywhere. They tell you how pretty your hair is. They throw a couple on you. They say, oh my God, don't wear that one, girl. This is the one. They sit it over here. They got five of them. They say, which four of the five do you want to take? I mean, they're very good closers in the boutique. You guys get it? So what we want to do today is focus on your sales skills so that you'll spend more time selling. That's what we want to do. So with that, I want to introduce Ben Wilson. Ben's been in the Corps for how long now? It'll be 10 years. So tell us, when you first got in the Corps, uh, how many units were you doing and how much money were you making? Right at 100 units. Uh, I did $21 million that year. So you did eight deals a month and how much were you making? Oh, maybe 180000 180 maybe. grand. So maybe. fast forward 10 years. Ten years. I think you left once and came back? No, I never left. My wife got sick, so I took a six-month period off to yeah. take care of her. So I never left. So if you have ever heard that, that's not the case. So yeah. never left. Excellent. So then uh, tell them where you are now. So we'll do right at 10 or excuse me, right at 100 million. I have a total of 19 people on my team. Um, I'll end up, my income will be right about one-sixth this year. And uh, you, well, I work sorry, less than that. My biggest thing, my whoa, biggest whoa, 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 whoa. thing. Whoa, how much? One six. Who wants one six? If you're a realtor, who wants to make one six? Really? Okay, so, cool, but, but here's the biggest thing. One thing I didn't mention when I first started, I was working 80 hours a week. Like, and I thought that an 80 hour week was normal and acceptable. Um, and it's not. And now I work maybe 40 hours a week. And some weeks I'm working as close as 35 
And for me, that's what's important because the reason I get up and I go take care of clients, I go take care of my team, is because I want my family to be taken care of. The why behind it. You were talking about the market, right? And I'm getting this question all the time. Hey, this market's changing. The dynamic of the real estate industry is changing. And what are you going to do about it? And my my response is very simple. I'm just going to continue to go deeper in relationships. I'm not going to try to fight against what's being created because they have a lot of money that I don't have, right? And that's what they're really doing is they're pressing money. But for me, the relationship is everything. And when you encounter change, when you encounter opposition, in my opinion, if you're going to be a boutique type of realtor or boutique type lender where you want to be in relationship, you just simply have to do one thing. You have to go deeper. You got to get to know them more. You have to take care of them more. You have to cater to them better. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to share something about Jimmy and Jimmy. I appreciate you just kind of allowing me to teach with you because anytime you teach with Jimmy, you're just allowed to teach with him because he's just (laughs) that good. Right. But Jimmy inspired me long before he ever realized that he was an inspiration. And now I've told him this many and many a times. And so for me, and one of the slingshots and one of the opportunities and just the takeoffs of my business was the fact that when I met Jimmy and when I met Todd and I saw their relationship and I saw how their relationship has grown through the thick and thin, through the tough times, that ride or die mentality that they have with each other, I had someone already in my house That was the same way that I never treated that way. That was my best friend and was one of my very good friends, but I didn't treat him like a partner and I wasn't building him up the way Todd had built you up. And so all of a sudden I got inspired by watching Jimmy and Todd's progression over their career and to see where you all are at now was an inspiration. And now I have a partner who is my best friend and he's been with me for 15 years and he's here. He's not in this room right now, but he's here. And that when that relationship and that partnership and the growth that we've had would have never taken place if I didn't have the inspiration. And I wasn't able to see and believe like Rick talked about yesterday, us, our ability to see and believe through Jimmy and Todd and what they've been able to do. So, Jimmy, thank you so much for being an inspiration. Whether you know it or not, you're not just an inspiration to me, but you're an inspiration to many people. Because it's hard when you're super strong like someone like Jimmy, it's hard to follow someone else for a long period of time. Because at some point in time when you're really strong like someone like Jimmy or someone like Blake who's with me, it's very easy to step out and do things on your own. But what people like Jimmy learn to be very early that a lot of us have to continue to learn to be are soldiers. They have to be willing to follow the right people. Now, here's the reality is Jimmy would never follow just anybody. Is that correct? Yeah. You're never going to just follow anybody. And so if Todd ever made the choice to stop growing, to stop getting better, guess what Jimmy would do? Jimmy would go do his own thing. I can guarantee you that. Yep. And for me, it was a monumental shift in my business to put value in other people, right? Not just our clients, but all the people that are around us. And when we talk about closing, I always think about one thing when I think about closing, and that's trust, which you hit on, right? So I want everybody to just start thinking, take a quick moment, and I want you to think about the biggest and the best closing that you've ever had in your entire life. And I want us just to raise our hands and I want you all just to share some of the biggest closings that you've had in your entire life. Go ahead. Take a minute and write it down. Yeah, write it down. Take a minute and write it down. And then we'll come back and then we're going to talk about these big closings.
right, let's pull it back in, pull it back in. Just raise your hand and we're going to go around to about four or five tables and share. Hi. So I live in a very small market. We have about 30,000 people in my, uh, in my town. And my average sales price is $220,000. However, I had a customer who um, needed to buy in one town over. And I closed my biggest transaction ever this year at $3.2 million. $3.2 million. $3.2 million. Yeah, it was a townhouse in, uh, in Winter Park. And the cool thing is that what I did is I sold her on the town. So I went out and I spent half a day with her. I took her on a little boat river kind of boat deal to see the, you know, the, the big houses on the lake. And we went to a museum and I took her out to, to lunch. And... And it was a really cool experience. So it was easy. It was a repeat customer and was the probably my biggest. So three point two million dollars sell. Is this lady? Is she married? Is she no, single. 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 And kids? she has a house for sale in Texas. Four point two million, and does, it's still on the does market. Does she have children? Does she have children? No children. No children at all. Would she like them? No. Not for me. Not for me. Just for the record. But the reason that I'm asking those type of questions is you got to spend time with her. You got to know her. Therefore, she trusted you. Right. Right. That transaction probably would never happen if she didn't trust you. Is that right. correct? That's correct. Very good. 3.2 million. That's huge. Give me another big sale. Haley. So I had a CFO client who actually found me on the Internet and met with me. And on the very first showing, after we looked at a few houses, told me that he had cheated on his wife and he was buying this new $4 Whoa. million dollar house to make up for it. And he wanted me to methodically work my way through building a relationship with her, which, as you can imagine, was not easy, um, and get them into the house and then into marriage counseling, which was about six years ago. And I've sold them three houses since, and we're all really good friends. Wow. Like, that's what I'm talking about right there. That is a huge success of closing because for them, she was creating extreme value in that person's life. He made a mistake, right? He screwed up. And he said, you know what? I need someone else to help me out. And us as realtors get that opportunity all the time. Thank you for sharing that. One more. I recently had the uh, opportunity to help uh, third generation. So um, feeling old now. But grandpa helped him um, refinance. It was a commercial loan. It was the only one I've ever done. But a million-dollar commercial loan probably 12, 13 years ago then helped his son and now his grandson. And uh, I think it was really, I really enjoy the, uh, the grandpa and, and I've kept in touch with him, called him on his 80th birthday, all, all of the things that you do. But um, just really means a lot. You know, we do a lot of loans, but to be able to help three generations, I thought was pretty amazing. Unbelievable. So you got to walk that process all the way through with multiple layers of that family, right? Did they trust you? Absolutely. I think that's extremely important. And you all did and shared some of the things that I wanted you all to share, which were deals, big deals, big closings that affected you financially. But guys, as you dive in, and we're going to talk a lot about closing, but we're going to make it really simple for you. When you're really diving into closing, closing is about trust and trust alone. So I'm going to tell you real quickly about my biggest closing. My biggest closing that I ever had and the hardest and most successful closing that I ever had was when I met this beautiful little girl that was 18 years old. She was 18 years old. I was 21 at the time. About a week or two later, I turned 22. She turned 19. About five months later, 
I said, here's the deal. Like you and I like each other. We still don't know a whole lot about each other. And I know when I first started dating you, I said, I can be whoever you want me to be for six months. And it's only been five. And so far I'm winning, right? But I need to close this deal. And I need to make sure that I spend the rest of my life with you. And she's sitting there going, I wasn't thinking nothing about marriage. I just came out of a long-term relationship. Like, I am not feeling this situation at all. And plus, there's nothing that's going to ever allow me to be a 19-year-old bride or an 18-year-old bride or a teenage bride. That's just not going to happen. And I said, so here's the deal. I'm all in. I'm never going anywhere. I'm committed for life. And she did not initially accept that conversation. So I decided that from that point on, I had to go deeper, right? And in the sales process, and we're going to talk about this a little later, you got initial contact, you got build rapport, right? And then you got closing the deal. When you don't close the deal, what do you got to go back to? Building rapport, right? So I had to go back getting to know her, diving in deep, and I did a Bible study with her. This is, this is one of the best things that I could have ever done. I did a Bible study with her. Now, she was brought up believing differently than I believed. And we did this Bible study and we dove in and all of a sudden we connected like at the highest level. A month after that, we got engaged. Seven, eight months later, we got married and I just celebrated 20 years, hey. 20 years. And along that road of 20 years, my wife has had at least 20 times that she should have probably left me. I've given her every reason possible, except for cheating on her, every reason possible to leave me. And my wife likes to put it like this. It's never, ever the love that I have for you that's going to sustain my commitment. It's always my commitment to you that's going to sustain the love, right? But all of that went back to the fact that I had to build rapport at the deepest level. And that's what we have to do. If we want to close at the highest level, we have to go in deeper with every one of our clients through relationship, establishing that deep level of trust. And that's what we want you all to take away from this class today. Very simply, we're going to walk you through the sales process. We're going to talk about the psychology, head, heart, gut. We're going to talk about those things and then we're going to really dive into some techniques that you can use. And if we can walk away today with one or two very key understandings of what it is to close at the highest level, would everyone consider this a win? Raise of hands. I want to see it. All right. Awesome. Awesome. You, can we work the pen, you think? Can I will. Because my penmanship Absolutely. is Absolutely. I have a lot of bad things about my penmanship and spelling of my least <laughs> favorite ones. Okay, so write this down. Grab some, make some notes. You guys know how to take notes in your book? You open that big blue book to the class that we're on. There's a page to take notes. So here you go. So, four parts to a sale. What's the first part? Initial contact. There's no sales possible without initial contact. So for most of you, you need to spend a lot more time on initial contact. Okay? You just do. It should be 50% 50 of your business hours. Second thing, second step to a sale, build rapport. Write them all down. We're going to be taking some notes on them. Third step, close. And the fourth step, one of the tougher steps for me, follow up. So, right now, very quickly, I want you to circle the one that you are best at. Go ahead, move your pen, circle it. 
Now maybe put a little star by the one that needs the most improvement. Now, we're going to do a little sharing. So, we're going to do it fast. I want you to go around your table and talk about what you're best at and what you're worst at. I just want you to say what it is. This is like a 45 second share. I don't want you to explain it emotionally. Go ahead. Awesome. So now, here's what I will bet. Most of you say, which one of these is your best? Wait, 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 just wait, wait. Am I right? Raise your hand if I'm right. Really, really high. Like about 70% think building rapport is their best. So, if you guys are so great at it, I want to work on that a little bit. But I got to tell you, I think you're full of it. I honestly think that you're completely clueless about your rapport building skills. Because how much do you get per deal? How much do you make per deal? 3,500. How much do you make per deal? Seven. Freaking realtors always get overpaid. So, (laughs) you know I love you. I'm just kidding. So, if you get that much per deal, right? And you're really good at rapport, what would you do all day? No, dude, you do initial contact because you can't get a closing without initial contact. And you're so great at rapport. All you would do all day is what? Initial contact because you're so good. People love you instantly. I'm so what I'm really good at is the meeting, Jim. People just love me. I just I mean, everybody just, I can talk to people and they trust me really fast. And blah, 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 blah. It's not true. Y'all up on the surface of the water and you don't go deep. You understand that? You think you're in rapport because you're not going deep. It's very cordial. Like when you first meet someone, you're like, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. How are you? What do you say when I say, how are you? How's it going? You say, good. That's going pretty good. But how are you? Doing good. Good. Going through a divorce. Just got out of rehab. And what's he say? I'm doing good. And you're like, I'm really good at rapport. You guys understand that's what you do in your freaking realtor meetings, right? So true. It is so true. You guys are so full of it, dude. Until you admit that, you can't close. You can't close. That's the problem. Mm. You went and said, how's your day? He said, good. And then you tried to kiss him. (laughs) That's not closing. That's called, like, assault. That's what you guys do in the sales process with new business partners. It's what we all do. It's what I've done. So we got to work on these skills a little bit. So I want to go around. I want you guys to break up in groups of three. So move your little chairs around and get in groups of three. Do it really fast and do it right now. So we're going to work on rapport for a minute because we are not good at it. I didn't say talk. I'm really short on time. I got to be a little bit more bossy than normal. I'm sorry. All right. So in your group of three, I want you guys to write down and figure out your top two or three rapport building tactics. Your little group of three, your best two or three rapport building tactics. And then we're going to go around and share them so you can start working on getting more rapport building tactics.
Okay, come on back. So, uh, in the back, very back right corner, KP's table, one great report tactic. Do you want to write them down or no? You don't have to. You guys just, guys, what I want you to do is have a blank piece of paper in your notes section, and I want you to write report tactics, and as you hear these report tactics, what do I want you to do? Write them down. Why? Because you might actually do it. Go ahead. Listening and engagement. Real engagement. So give me a tactic that you use for listening. How about I look you square in the eye, put the phone away, shake your hand with two hands, and really listen to you? I love putting the phone away. My tactic for listening better is me and my operations manager, me, whoever's been on, a, uh, on one of my site visits, you'll see me. I put my hand over my mouth because otherwise I keep talking. So I'm seriously, when I'm actively listening, I visualize myself with my hand over my mouth so I will shut up. Got to do that. Good one. Another one. Uh, now you can start raising your hands. Yes. So I identify their disc and I identify the decision maker to make sure that I'm building rapport with the right person. I mean, I need to build rapport with both, but there's one that's probably more important than the other when it comes to closing. What do you think about that, Ben? Identify the decision maker. I personally, for me, I don't really care who the decision maker is. Because if you dive in, if you're speaking to two different people, you need to be engaged with both of them. We talked about right before that real engagement. Real engagement means everybody's participating. And when you just identify one individual, the person who has the most emotions is usually left out because the person that you believe is making the decisions is a thinker, and we'll talk about this, or they move with their gut, right? And that leaves out the person with the emotion, and the person with the emotion generally is going to be the most influential. They might not be the decision maker, but they're the most influential. So I'm going to involve both parties always. More. Let's get like five or ten more. Yeah. Yeah. um, I've got a really, really good coach this semester. And uh, he taught us to ask a question and then follow it up with why three times just to dig deeper into what they're really uh, answering for you. The three whys. Mm, I love that. And I know you're not doing it. Okay? It's uncomfortable. The three whys is super uncomfortable. That's a great rapport building tactic. It is. Another one. Yes. You can holler. I'll repeat you. Cool. So he does intel, which is kind of forward, and then he weaves the information back in during the conversation. It's an excellent rapport building tactic. Sometimes, yeah, and then go, yep. Compassionate response and, and feedback. So if they share something deeper follow-up maybe with a, with, with a card acknowledging compassionately what they're de- going through. So what was the tactic? Compassionate response. Yeah. So what she's saying is a direct communication. Do you guys know what a direct communication is? There's two kinds of communication. Direct, like a connected direct communication and, and a disconnection. A connection and a disconnection. In order to have a connection in communication, it has to go three ways. Do you guys know that? Like if I can teach you anything that will change, that will help you with time management, that will help you with rapport, that will help you with leadership, that will help you get better with your people, it's to go three ways on a message. So, I say to Ben, Ben, you want to role play with me? I want to teach him direct connection. Yes. This is a huge rapport, rapport building tactic. It's a home run if you will do, if you will do it. The three whys and this are my two best rapport building tactics. I say, Ben, 
I'm sitting down with him. We're talking about a mortgage. I say, Ben, what's the most important thing to you? Like, what keeps you up at night when you think about buying a house and getting a mortgage? What Thank keeps you. you and your family up at night? The mortgage payment being too much for my income. The mortgage payment. That makes sense to me. Why is that so important to you? Because I'm on a fixed income and I only have so much money coming in. So if it gets too high, then my quality of life has a chance of diminishing. Okay, so uh, if your payment gets too high, um, your quality of life, that's, that's important. I get that. Um, lots of us are on a kind of a fixed income. You know, most of us are like that. So for you, you know, how, does that, how would that impact you if we didn't pay attention to that? Why is, why is that quality of life so important to you? Well, we like to take vacations, and in my family, we want to have experiences, right? And experiences, unfortunately, they cost a little bit of money, so I've got to make sure I have disposable income to do those and to create these experiences for my family. Wow. I've been doing this a long time. I've never heard that as a reason. Tell me more about that. Why are experiences so important to you and your family? Because even though we make really good money, at the end of the day, if I just want to buy my kids love... They're going to move off, and then they're just going to always expect me to buy, 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 and give, and give, and give, opposed to spend time with us. And that's ultimately what my wife wants, and she's really good at that, and I want my wife to be happy. If, you, if we got you into a house, so, so, so the most important thing to you about a payment is that you need extra money so you could spend more time with your kids before they move on with their lives. Is that right? That's correct. I mean, is that for sure right? That's correct. Yeah. So did you see the connection? Mm. So I went three whys. Why is he going to comfortable zone for payments? So he could afford it. No, dude. It's because his kids are teenagers. He's got three years left and he's not going to see him very much anymore. Now I have a connection and it's emotional, right? There is no close until we get them emotional. There's no opportunity. There's no rapport until you get into what Todd taught me was called the red. You have to get into the red with three whys and a direct connection. He told me something. This is the three steps of a connection. You should write them down. He told me something. I blended the three whys in there to find out what the truth was as to why the payment was important to him. And then he told me, and then I repeated it back to him in my own words and made him say, yes, that's what I mean. If I just repeat it back to him in my own words and don't get confirmation, it's not a connection. And that's what most of us do. And that's why you're not in rapport. He's teed up for the close because we just shared. I would have talked about my kids a little bit and weaved a little bit. You see those two, those two rapport building tactics? Well, I would say, hey, it's important to his kid is spending some time with his kids. I would have said, how old, how old are your kids? 18 and 15. Wow. How what a boy and girl? Yeah, my son's 18, my daughter's 15. Oh, you lucked out. You got a boy and a girl, I man. did. I got I two did. boys. All they want is where's their mama? <laughs> you got a baby girl. That is so awesome. My boys are 14 and 8, and we're just getting into that teenage years. Man, I, might, I could do some help. Tell me how you got through the teenage years with your son. Absolutely, man. Well, I coached him, and so we got super deep. And then my wife goes, you know what? You're losing him, so you got to step back from the coaching and learn how to just sit in the stands and be his dad. And that was one of the biggest things. So you got to listen to the, your wife or you got to listen to the mama. Like, dude, uh, we're going to talk later because I'm struggling with this right now. And what he, <laughs> this is some but real what he just stuff said, right now. Yeah. Like if he was in front of me for a loan, what would happen next? I'd be like, dude, oh, my God, you like God sent you here because I'm do, right now is what's happening with my son. 
And I just got told the same thing by a therapist that I need to step back and not always be fixing him. He is who he is. That's what they told me. Is that what you mean? That's literally what happened to me. Are we connected? Mm. I literally, I just got goosebumps thinking about being able to talk to him. Now listen to me. If I'm connected with a guy like that, a realtor, a builder, a borrower, the assumed close is on the table. Look, I can't wait to do our first transaction together. Man, you're going to be able to help me. And I want to help you close more transactions. Can we do one deal together? Absolutely. Dude, it's over. You're done. We talk about money? No. Do we offer to pay? No. Did he ask for money? Do you guys understand what rapport is all about? Give me a couple really good reports. Real quick, I want to make a point. When we were going around the room and we were talking about the big closings, right? Those big closings. Were they easy or hard to close? Haley. Yeah, it was difficult. But the actual closing of the deal. Easy. The deal itself is easy. What was hard is the relationship piece, navigating and weaving through the relationship. What's going to be hard is when Jimmy and I talk and I tell him stuff he doesn't want to hear, you know, about how and what he's got to do with his boy. That's going to be the hard part. But doing a deal together, that's easy. Yeah. That's easy because there's trust. How about for you back there? Was that easy, that $3.2 million deal? It was easy because you're in relationship. Right. couple more standing up. Is that Puma? Yeah, so I was going to say, find a common interest you can relate to like you guys did with kids, sports, where they're from. Just some type of common interest so that you can weave it in just like you guys did. That tactic is called LCD. Lowest common denominator. As long as you've got the lowest common denominator, my buddy Ben taught me that in a relationship. As long as there's an LCD, you can make it work. Yes, man, I got all the big hitters. I got Philly Puma in here. I got Dayton Schrader. I got Henry Garcia, man. I'm feeling honored. Go. You, uh, you did it so fast, but I was telling everybody it's gold. When you do that three-way thing, and you've done it before, and it is, you, you, need, you did it so fast with Ben, but you got to do it again about any kind of confirmation to, to get that connection, because I think that is gold. Thank you. If you would do that again, please. You want me to do it again? Show everybody how good that is. Okay, okay. You want me to do the three, like the same thing I the just rest, did? The restaurant, the time, what is it you've done before? I, I, I don't know what's happening with your mic, but I can't really hear you. What's he saying? The, um, when you confirm the time or get that acknowledgement back, the th- you said the you three. The connection? Yes. You want to do it together On, on something again? as simple as where we're meeting for dinner or what we're doing. Dayton. Listen, dude, I got to tell you, uh, I've known you for, I think, 18 years. If it's not, it's been 15. And um, what, I, what, I, what I admire about you most, most is how professional you are and how humble you are. And at the same time, how strong you are. I know you will not back down for a fight. Dude, I want to go get some dinner with you. Can we go get some dinner? Yeah, Jim, Jim that'd be great. So what, what, do you, what kind of food do you like? Is this for the role play you want, brother? I want a steak. You want steak? Why? Because I love steak. Dude, if I'm going to have dinner with one of my best friends, we're having steak. Steak? What, what do you love about steak? What, what place do you want to go? I want a good, good steak and a good bottle of wine. You want a good steak and a good bottle of wine. What if we took you to Morton's and we got to sit by ourselves, no one else around for an hour and a half and spend some time Done. together? Would that work for you? Done. Cool. So, so steak, Morton's, me and you tonight. Agreed. Okay, cool. Is that what you're asking for in a role play, Doc? Yes. Okay, cool. All right. So I, it's it's... The biggest rapport, rapport building tactics are three whys, 
and a connection all three ways. I'm telling you, if you start doing this in your realtor meetings, in your builder meetings, it will go deep. I can, it, it's just the biggest, biggest thing. Yes, sir, one more report tactic. Well, I was just going to say before, I think a lot of people miss the direct connection because they, they don't feel comfortable going deep that fast. And so sometimes just foundational questions like the LCD, you know, getting those out of the way really quick to get them to start to talk, you know, just to get yeah. them to open up, then get into that. I'll show you how you know you're doing it right. Would you like to know how it feels when you're doing it right? Put the microphone in Janae's hands. She's a pretty blonde girl in the back. She works for me in Texas. So if, if, if you work for me, I go help you close people. So have you ever been in a meeting with me closing? Yes. How does it feel? Be real. You can tell me. With you? Yeah. When you're doing it? It's no. uncomfortable. Am I right? Yes. Like I'm sitting there at the table with my loan officers and they bring me to meet with a builder and I'm going into my three whys. Like you're a realtor, right? Yes. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna close, uh, close you as a client and you're a realtor, can I role play that for you? You sure? Yes. Don't role play with me. Be Ben Wilson. Okay. I'm dead serious. I'm got it. If I was in, in your town, brother, I would be knocking until you gave me a shot. I promise you that. Yes. Cool. So, me and Ben sit down. I say, Ben, hey, I just asked him, tell me about how you do business. He told me about this big extravagant team. I would probably say, hey, would you feel like you're an influence of where your loans go? I'm definitely an influence of where they go, yes. Okay. Like sometimes guys got big teams, and I don't mean that to sound offensive. I understand. But sometimes guys got big teams, they're not really into the management piece, and they just kind of let people do what they want. Is that your style, or are you more an influence of that? Well, I'm definitely going to influence because our client experience means everything, and that's such a big part of our client experience. Awesome. Why, why, tell me more about that. Why is the client experience so important to you? Well, the majority of our business comes from people who are already in relationship with. Uh, right? How, Wow, how many, uh, how would you say majority of your business comes 81%. From, how much? 81%. 81% of your business comes from people you're already in relationship with? So if they send someone to me or if they come back to me, the common guarantee that my team gives them is that their experience is going to be better the next time. So I have to be with people that are constantly improving and getting better at their craft and their skill and their relationship skills all the way through. I've never heard that. I've never heard someone say that they tell their clients that the next time you come, it will be even better. It's true accountability. If you all don't write better. that down, you all are knuckleheads. Wow. And anybody, I have one of my lenders in here, and I promise I've had that exact conversation with him. I believe you. I'm, I'm wowed. Uh, I'm already wowed. I'm a fan, and I barely know your business. Mm -hmm. um, why, um, why is it so important to you to, like... Maintain that 81% or grow that 81% people who already know you. Because the business with like Code Leads, Zillow, Boomtown, that's hard and it's exhausting. And my family, they want time, right? And that stuff takes a lot of time. But when I work with you, it doesn't feel like time. When I work with a client that I'm in relationship, guess what? It doesn't feel like time. It feels like me just enjoying my time with someone that I care about. And that's very enjoyable for me. And that's what I want all my team to experience, too. It's more efficient. It is definitely more efficient. I see all these realtors, and they're like trying buying leads and trying to chase the Internet part of our, our business. How, do you pursue that much? They will re repeat like, that? You know, they're doing Zillow, and they're buying Trulia leads, and they're trying to convert point and click, and they're doing Google this yeah. and waggle that and all that stuff. Are you into that? Well, we have to do that to train people, but that's it with a clear understanding that every one of those clients that you get from that is a future VIP, and after two years, we're cutting you off. Wow.
Um, so when you think about a lender partner, what's the one or two most important things about the lender? Like, what's one thing I would need to do to earn your business? Or another way of saying it is, what's one thing that if I did this, I would get fired? So I want one of each of those. Well, first of all, if you didn't spend time and find out and create great value initially with that client, that's one big thing. The other thing is, is that if you say you're going to do something for them, whether it's calling them back, meeting up with them, closing on time, certain interest rate, and it changes, that is an absolute dagger to my heart. Because these people expect us to be straight with them. Now, here's the thing about every one of our clients. We're telling them. That there's going to be hiccups along the way. We're telling them that there are going to be things that pop up that you won't like, that you won't like to hear. But you've got to trust us. And the moment that you choose to miss the mark on any one of those things, they don't trust us anymore. And it makes that experience terrible for them and for us. So I don't want to deal with that, just to be honest with you. I've worked really hard to get my two or three lenders. And if I'm going to have anybody else come into play, they better be as good or better than those guys before I even consider you. And I better hear it from every one of your realtors that you already work with. So I have a collateral package. Stop right there, okay? I have a collateral package I bring to every realtor meeting. It's got three of the biggest realtors in Sacramento's personal referral letters and three clients that are famous kind of business owners that I did loans for in Sacramento. All referral letters in a package, collateral package. In addition to that, I got some YouTube video things downloaded to a CD with a little link to the thing for a collateral package when I leave. I don't bring that up at that time. So... uh so we're in rapport, we're in the meeting, I'm going back in. So, um, dude, wow. Uh, I already know that you're a super organized businessman just from the way you answer my questions. So I really respect that. Um, why, what do you get out of it? Like, why do you run your business so tight? Why is it so important to you that, number one, I keep my word. You said it's super important I keep my promises, no surprises to your clients. You said it's super important that I have initial value and I'm willing to spend time with them and meet with them in person and take care of them and make sure their experience is good. What's in that for you? Why, do you, why are you so focused on Well, there's a couple of things. One, I live in a glass box in my community, right? And when I say I live in a glass box is everyone's always paying attention. And so if we're not dialed in, they're looking for ways to knock me off. All the time. Oh my gosh. And so I have to have people that are dialed in. The other thing is, is that same little glass box, I have my 18-year-old and my 15-year-old watching me every day. Oh, my gosh. And for me, if they ever, ever did not feel or weren't proud of what their dad was doing, it would destroy me. You know, um, your answers are fresh. Because usually by now when I'm meeting with a realtor, and I really respect your time, mm-hmm. we've gotten to some money issue. We've gotten to, I need more money for my family, my kids are going to go to college, and it hasn't even come up. Yeah. And that's super rare. What, I, what you're saying is, hey, Jim, I need to refer a, a lending partner that is a, is a quality uplift, not a quality match. What you're saying is, I need someone who makes me look even better than I already look so I can protect my reputation and protect my kids' reputation in our community. Is that what's, was that where we're going? That is it, buddy. That is it. Yeah. So if I could show you a couple ways that I can do that for you and raise the bar for your other lenders, I promise you, when you choose to bring me in, they are going to get nervous and they are going to get better. So what I'd like to do is take a little time and come back and show you three ways that I'm going to improve the quality of your borrower experience and raise your reputation in our community. Can I have a second meeting? Absolutely. Boom!
That's how you do it. Yeah. You guys get Very it? Very good. Good job. Thank you. I'm moving to Nashville, y'all. Watch out. Real quick, report. Or, yeah, we're, uh, we're working just, on report tactics, right? Okay. Is this on? I just have two questions. Ben, um, have you ever had a lender go through that level of questioning with you? That's the first question because it seems so good. And I've never heard a realtor talk like that. And then, so that's the first question. Have you ever had a, have so you ever had a lender do that? It's very easy. He's right there, Sean Kaplan, which is my lender. He has done that with me. And we do that probably once a quarter. We have that type of conversation. And we go to that depth. And you also, you said, um, I live in a glass house, a glass box in my Glass community. box in my neighborhood. Yeah, glass and box. So, and then you said my 18 and my 15-year-old are also looking at that glass box. You said that exact same thing to a lender. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Unbelievable. Crystal clear. Thank you. Unbelievable, right? Yes. Yeah. So are they all like him? Yeah. So, so because I, I'll take it a step further. I've told them that I won't continue working with them if they're working with the wrong people that could ultimately affect my reputation. Oh, don't be working with no ding-dong realtors? Is that what yes. you mean? True. Don't be, True don't be someone that takes anybody on? So um, what could you do with these rapport-building tactics that you've just learned? What could you do with these rapport-building tactics that you just learned and are now going to implement? You're going to implement the three whys. You're going to implement... You're going to implement the, uh, the, the, connect, the connection on communication. We're going to go over head, gut, and groin here in a second. But what could you do with them? It's so awesome. You guys are such givers. Initial contact! That's what you could do. You could go out and see more people. Because now you have skills that you're not scared of what the answer is. I don't care what his answer is. You care. I could give a damn. I just want to know the real answer. And if he says, all I care about is money, dude, stop asking me questions. You either pay the five grand or you don't. I have two more meetings with lenders today. I say, bro, I wish you the best. If you ever need a real loan officer that can yep. close a tough deal, keep my card. Bye. Zip. I don't want to date everybody. I don't want to kiss everybody. I want something special. And because my energy is like that, I'm more what? Attractive. I'm more attractive because I say no, not because I say yes. You know, I want to make a point here because of that type of energy. We get so, so convoluted with what we've got to do to close business. And closing business, in my opinion, is super easy. It is me exchanging passion from myself to this guy to where he feels it right here in his heart. And the moment I exchange that passion, he feels in a heart. It doesn't matter if it's a steak, a piece of chicken, a bicycle. He's going to want to do it. He's going to want to eat it. He's going to want to experience it if I exchange that passion. But we get so caught up in having to think it's about a money or a payment or whatever. And sometimes it might be, but that's what they're passionate about. But you've got to exchange that. And I'll tell you where I learned it. I learned it working with geriatrics. So my degree is in physical therapy, right? And so when I'm going through PT school, it's the greatest training ground ever. And I'm walking into someone who just had a total hip replacement, just had a stroke, just had a knee replacement. They're pissed off at the world. They don't want to do nothing for nobody. They hurt. They're in pain. They're generally odor. And they're just tired. 
And I walked in and I came in full fledged. I mean, I showed them their workout plan. I told them how many times we were going to hit it and how many times a day. And they said, F- on you. <laughs> Literally, you're out. And I said, oh, I got to change my approach because here I'm a young, aggressive 19 year old, 20 year old. Right. And I'm coming after them hot and heavy with all the things that I think that they need. And I know that they need. But the problem is what they want is someone who cares. And so I sit down and I got to know them. I built trust with them. And then all of a sudden, I'm not even talking about working out. We're just talking about their family. Next thing you know, they've done every exercise I needed them to do plus an extra 10. Nice. What was the difference? I exchanged passion. I found out what they were passionate about, whether it was their grandson and going fishing with them. That's why they wanted to recover. It had to be about why. You asked me why I wanted my payment so low for the experiences, right? Yep. The why is what mattered. The payment really didn't matter. It was the why. Yes. Right? Is that one. correct? Yeah. Yeah. Last report building technique I want to share. I'm going to go kind of quick on this one. Uh, uh, sure. One more. Someone got a mic? Yeah, please. I'm sorry. Okay. And then I don't want to share one more and we got to move on. Just really quick. I just got an aha from this class that has made my whole, like I could go home right now. Oh, that's when sweet. You, no, listen. When you asked what do you do with this information, my first thought was, Make a four-part series videos to my top VIPs and my top 40 role-playing with my LP. They're the client, and I'm this, and I show them, hey, tops, here's how you initial contact. Here's how you build rapport. So I'm going to do a four-part video series, show them that I care, help them make more business, and model to them how to get it done. Right. Thank Whatever you for that. I, love it. Take every I just class. had to share that in case everybody yes. else take wants every to class jump on that bandwagon. At the core, take every class you go to and go home and teach it to other people for relationship, right? So the last rapport building te- tactic that I think is super important, and we're just going to do this one quick because we've got to move on to closing. I mean, we haven't even talked about closing yet. Have we learned anything about closing yet? Has anybody learned anything about closing? Good. Just through building rapport? Cool. It's all about setting it up, right? So the last one is head, gut, and groin. Right. So just being able to identify people as as a thinker, as a head, they make people make decisions one of three ways. Okay, we all have all of these in us, but people make decisions one of three ways. They use their head, they use their gut, or they use their heart. I said groin. I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. You want to know why? No, I don't know. No. I'm going to embarrass, I would embarrass her, so I can't do that. So, head, your head, heart, or your gut? Head, heart, or your gut? I think I'm blushing. I don't blush. <laughs> head, heart, or gut? So, uh, let's see. Can you hand the mic to somebody? I don't care who. Can you stand up? Okay. What's your, what's your name? I'm Ellie George. What? What? I'm Ellie. Ellen, thank you very much. Hi, Ellen. Uh, I'm Jim. Hi, Jim. Nice. So, um, so tell me, what do you think about this class so far? Like, what are your thoughts? I think it's great. I think it's it's cementing that you really can't close until you have that connection. Yeah. And it's and how to actually build that connection. Yep. How do you feel about it? I feel connected. What's your gut say you're going to take home? My gut says that I'm going to start implementing this with my teammates. Yeah. Is she a, is she a feeler? How do you know? She's thinking about it. Because I said, how do you feel? And she said two words. Like, I'm, I'm teaching you magic. 
If you want to know if they're a thinker, say, what do you think about this? And they will go on and you can sit. You will go on and on and on if they're a thinker. And they'll give you all kinds of statistical weird stuff. You guys know this stuff. But the, what I'm trying to just teach you really quick before we move on is, how do you, how do you really find out? Besides using your gut, your intuition, you ask them, what do you think? If there's not very many words, they're not a thinker. If you ask them, how do you feel? And they run on and on and go on a tangent and start talking about uh, uh, homemade honey and how it fixes allergies. They, they go with their heart. Right? And if it's neither of those two, then it's gut. Now, what am I? Now, do you do that? Let me ask you something, Jimmy. When you're engaging yes. with anybody, it doesn't matter. Do you do it automatically where you find out or try to figure out where they're coming from as a thinker with their head, with their heart or their gut first and foremost? Right up front. Me I too. Start, I start from the very beginning. Like people say, oh, Jim's a chameleon. No, I'm a trained salesperson and it's, it's run into the rest of my life. And the, the biggest heart. reason, the biggest yeah. reason I think that you need to do that, because what we do so much is we're building rapport. We go in with our own thoughts on who they are. And sometimes they might not be a thinker. They actually might be a person that goes with their gut. And if you start giving someone that goes with their gut all the analytics and oh everything, gosh, you're going to freaking run them out, out of the door. They stop listening to you after the second analytic that you give them. Yes. They're, and they're done. And so you've lost them. But if you also go in and you're super direct with somebody that's very emotional, that thinks with their heart, guess what? They don't like you. I, that's, Shut that's down. That's what I'm running to most. Shut my, down. That's my biggest mistake. They've put up the shield. And so you've lost every opportunity. So the first thing that you've got to do is figure out where they're coming from as far as how they make decisions and how they feel about things. Yeah. Yeah. So hold on. So you're a feeler thinker. Do what now? You're a feeler thinker. Um, thinker feeler. But definitely strong. <laughs> so they're, so you, can, you can see that sometimes they're really close. So I want to give you a quick nugget and then we'll take your question. So um, me and Todd are both knowers. Okay? I'm going to give you a little secret if you're ever negotiating with Todd. <laughs> Hopefully this isn't recorded. Is this recorded? It is recorded. Okay, well. That's okay. Whatever. It still works. <laughs> when you're in battle with a knower, and I know, and he knows... You're at an impasse. A therapist would call that an impasse. We're going to argue our point, and I'm going to stand my ground, and I am not going to lose. I would rather get another broken nose. I'd rather get my 13th broken nose than lose. You get it? Because I'm a knower. So if you come at me as a knower, me and Randall battle this way. I coach him right now. We're both knowers, so in the beginning of our relationship, it was like this. So if you want to move past that, you have to identify their secondary modality. And use that to go around the roadblock. So with Todd, he's a knower, feeler. I know you don't think so, but he is. So if I, well, he and I are battling about perhaps a compensation negotiation. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm not getting anywhere. I'll say, I feel like you're not hearing me or listening. I feel like you don't see my side of this. And the walls go down. And now I have a chance. Before, I didn't even have a chance. So, of this little tactic, and I want to keep moving fast, is you got to identify their primary so that you can use their secondary when you need to. That's right. So, it's a super big thing, guys. It's kind of advanced for poor stuff, but I'm telling you, it works. Yes. 
And just to clarify, the head is what do you think about, the heart is what do you feel about, and the gut is what are you going to do? Yeah, it's how you make decisions. Do you yeah. make decisions with your head? Like, I'm, I've got this guy right now, and he has, he took three itemized fee worksheets and yeah. put them in an Excel format and formatted all the cells. Yeah. Sent it back to me, and he wants data, and he can't decide. In your diagnosis when you're asking So hold on, that. so he can't decide. He's got so much information, I can't close him. So I said, bro, at the end of the day, what's your gut say? He goes, my gut says 30-year fix. Me too! <laughs> Can I get the credit card, please? We have to close in nine days, dog. And he goes, yes, we'll, yes, we'll go 30-year fix. My like, worst case scenario is just pay more. Forget the 10 and 15-year loans. You get it? Cool. So, yeah, final. Final, we got about the MLS listing when they're walking in. Tell me about the house to get head, heart, gut. You taught how to, us how to like, You taught us that like two years ago when your client Tell comes in. Tell me what I said. So you taught us like two years ago that when your client comes in, the first thing you say, congrats, you went under contract. Tell me about the house. Yes. The head will go stats. The heart will go about the backyard. Yes. And the gut will be you like. You say, tell me more or tell me about something. And how the answer is, they're like, it fits. Tell me about the house. It fits. Tell me about the house. There's room on the side yard to fit. My, my trailer's eight and a half feet. And dude, it's a 12-foot side yard. And the fence already has a swinging gate and gravel. I don't even have to do cement. That's going to save me. You know how much it is per square foot for cement? That's going to save me X amount of dollars. So now we can take that money and I can get mama some new floors. And we already got two floor prices. He's a what? He's a thinker. Right. So excellent. Thank you for bringing that up. Okay. So uh, now I want to go back and do some more table work, if that's all right. Yes. Okay. So get back in your groups of three and tell me your best close for your group. I'm going to give you three to four minutes. Your best closing tactic. We're now to the actual time to close. Okay. Your best closing tactic that you use. Talk about it amongst your group and then we're going to share again. We're going to give you three to four minutes. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, back left corner, someone from that table, just run, just stick it in anybody's hands you want. It's not voluntary. This is a dictatorship for a little bit longer. Yes, your best close you heard. What is it? Uh, we talked about the assumptive close, um, using the taking really good care of you. We built rapport. We're in this relationship. Why would you not use That's bank? a guilt close. The one, you, the one you said was an assumptive close. An assumptive close works like this. I see that you love the house. It fits all your needs. We need to make an offer at 102% of sales price. I've filled out all the paperwork. Here's where you sign. Now listen, you guys think that don't work. It does work. You'll find out if they want to make an offer without asking them. That's an assumptive close. You use the guilt close. I did this for you. I wash your clothes. I take care of you. It's time for you to pay me back. That's a guilt close. You guys, right? Rick is the king of the guilt close. Jim, when I met you, how much money did you have? How much money do you have now? Now, when I ask you to do something, don't you think you should do it for me? <laughs> That's I've a guilt I've never close. Heard that. He uses Jimmy. it all the time. Jimmy, right? you so you said Rick uses that? You said the assumptive. What's that? you saying Rick uses that? Yeah. So use the assume close. Us loan officers use that all the time. If someone comes in my office, I've never once asked them if they want to apply for a mortgage. 
I've never asked them once if they're going to use me in my whole career, 24 years, over 4,000 mortgages. I've never once asked them if they want me. I'm just like, next step is sign right here. So those are two good closes. Uh, just stick it, like run around and stick them in anybody's hand and make sure you go on the edges, the peripheries where all the hiders are. That's where I hang out on the back of the bus. Those are the people I like to pick on. Yeah. We talked about doing the uh, lower the bar close, especially with realtors. Uh, the lower the bar close. So what's, how's the lower the bar close work, Ben? That is one that I'm not good at. So okay, I'll help you out. That. <laughs> the lower the bar close is like, <clears throat> um, how much he predicted it, right? How much does it cost to, for the for the core? Three grand a month, thirty six thousand a year. He makes seven thousand a transaction. Thirty six divided by seven. Let's say you make six because it's easier for me. Yeah. You got to close six deals more a year. Now, Ben, do you think you'll close six deals more a year being in the core than not being in the core? Yeah, just what I learned yesterday. Sign right here. Done. That's that's the lower, lower the, the bar. bar close, right? So <clears throat> another one. So I go out way out there in the back where the people are on their laptops. That was right back there. That girl right there. Hand that one right there. That girl right there. Give it to her. What? I'm coming in hot. I don't know what you're asking me, Jimmy. That's because you weren't paying attention. Yes, I am writing notes about lower the bar close because okay. like that, I need What's your best skills. close? My best close is assumptive. The assumptive. Can I get a new one? Okay. A little more. Here, Stacy. What's a good? Give me a closing tactic. We were talking about Jim Bass's close of the ultimate scenario. So getting their perfect scenario in the beginning, weaving it into your presentation, and then circling back to it at the end. I don't know what that would actually be called if you're looking at the page here. I don't know either. Um, he's so really about, good at it, though. I give you a good one? The two-option close. That was a great two one. Option. It's a two-option close. <laughs> So the two-option close, you can use the two-option close in a couple different ways. Ben, give us one way you use a two-option close. Two-option close. So here's the, here's the deal, Jimmy. You said you want a big, fancy house with four bedrooms, right? Yes. Right? But the problem is, is you only want a payment at 2000 and the big house that you're looking at is going to give you a payment at 2500 Okay? So right now, what I need you to know is that we either have a choice that we're going to take this big, fancy house that you want, and you're going to pay more money for it, or we're going to take this other house that's just a three-bedroom, but it's in the location that you want, and it's going to give you the payment you want. Which one would you choose? I like it. The other way, I would use the two-option clothes as a realtor. I'd be like, look, Haley, this house, you said you want a four-bedroom, three-bathroom, and a side place for your boat. This has four bedrooms, three and a half bathrooms, and a side place for your boat. So we can make an offer at full price, which is 400000 or if we can make an offer at 410 where we'll get the house for sure. Which one do you want to do? Okay. Or she says 400. I said, great. We'll go in at 400. If we're going to go 400, we're going to have to sweeten the deal a little bit. So we're not going to ask them to pay any closing costs on that one. I got the paperwork all filled out. I had both of them filled out in advance. I need you to sign it right here because they're taking offers and I got to get it in within the next 15 minutes. So I blended two closes. I used the two option close and then I used scarcity. You get it? When you blend two together, you can dramatically increase your closing percentages. That's a two option close for a realtor. It was an excellent contribution to the group. Yes. I do a trial. That was funny. That was funny. Okay. Good. I do a trial close with buyers, especially where if um, we're taking them out, I mean, just make it as part of my process. We'll go look at a couple of homes and then 
rather than ask them if they want to buy it, I'll say, we're going to just do a practice offer on this property yeah. so that you get comfortable with the process and have all the language and you're, and you're good to go. If you choose to submit it, that's fine, but we're just going to take you through this so you're really comfortable with the language. And then that way, sometimes they'll just go ahead, but then when it actually comes time to write the offer, there's no hesitation because we've already gone through everything. Yeah, so what's that? Uh, so professionally, that's called as a no-risk close. So that's a no-risk close. So later on today, if you're brand new, if you're not co currently coached as a member, as a level three coach, student, raise your hand. If you're in this room and you're not a level three student, raise your hand really high. Great. So you're going to get an opportunity to fill out a sheet which would qualify you, maybe qualify you to have an interview to see if you fit for the core. So tonight you're going to fill that out, no risk, and you'll get a free interview and we can decide from there. You see how I closed you? Just move the next, move it to the next step. Move it to the interview. During the interview, I'll use my report stuff and see if there's a fit. So that's called a no risk close. So, um, I gotta do two things. We gotta speed it up because we have 10 minutes left. So we're gonna go through the rest of our closes that I wanna teach you. And while I'm doing that, there's the little, uh, scan, scanner QR, thing. QR you scan. take your phone out there, uh, and your little, I need help because I haven't done this yet. Who knows what to do? There's a code on the back. On the back? On the back of your lantern. Name badge. Lantern. On the back of that, there's a scan, a QR scan. You just scan that, put your phone, click it right on it, and it'll take you right to the link. Everybody understand that? I need you to do it, and you got to rate us. You have three, three drop boxes, three next steps that you'll take, and it'll run you all the way through. You can choose our class. Cool. So, some other closes. So, we did lower the bar. We did the no-risk close. The assumptive close I use every day. The takeaway close. Hey. The takeaway close is, like, I'll give you the most blatant, obvious takeaway close. It's the sham wow guy late at night, and he's selling them little orange chamois, and he's wiggling his hand with the mic. And he's like, if you buy in the next four minutes, you get two for free. Otherwise, it's full price starting tomorrow. It's a takeaway close. And then, the sweet little old lady who's got no one to talk to... She gets on the mic and buys the damn chamois and never uses them. It, when you instill a sense of urgency, you'll get people to make the decision. And then you have to be around to deal with the buyer's remorse. That's called a takeaway close. Um, the puppy dog close. You guys know the puppy dog close? Okay. So why do you never go car shopping unless you want to buy a car? Because you will buy a car if you go car shopping. As soon as you take your wife or girlfriend to the parking lot, you're leaving with a new car. If you take your son or daughter to the dog pound, thinking we're just going to go look at puppies, you're just not that smart. <laughs> right? As soon as they can see it, smell it, feel it, they got to have it. So one of the ways you use a puppy dog clothes with a home is, can you see yourself, can you see your kids in this living room? What's it feel like when you're in the master bedroom? How's it smell in the backyard? You can get them to picture themselves living in it. That's called puppy dog clothes. Uh, scarcity. When you, when you recognize that they think with their heart, they make decisions with their heart, <laughs> the puppy dog clothes is the clothes. Very nicely done. Uh, scarcity. Like, I use scarcity when I pick up new realtors all the time. I'm like, hey, I run the largest branch of Summit Funding. I'm a core coach, and I do home loans. I only take care of people that I can take care of at a very high level. I have found that I can only take care of 10 good realtors at a time. Now, I don't know if you can believe this, but one of my realtors I've been working with for 21 years just retired. You may know her. 
She's moving to Florida. So now I have capacity where I can sleep at night and still take care of one more realtor. So I'm interviewing realtors to find that one that fits. Mm, I did a takeaway and a scarcity. I blended them together. He'd be like, oh, he'd take that meeting, I'll bet. Strokes the ego a little bit, right? It does stroke the ego. That's good. <laughs> yeah, it works. So that's uh, that's uh, the scarcity close. We did. So two you would options. use that type of closing, just so you know, on someone that makes decisions with their gut. Nice. Uh, I like how you tied that in. That's excellent. Very good. All right. The, uh, the, one of the last one is um, the brain surgeon close. So I just used this one uh, yesterday at lunch in my room. Actually, the brain surgeon close goes like this. Someone's being a pain in the butt. And you're to the, you don't overuse the brain surgeon clothes. Someone's being a pain in the butt and they're shopping me and grinding me and telling me this and telling me that, telling me they can close two owner-occupied loans in the same month and their lawyer looked at the documents and it's all going to be fine. That's what he told me. I said, stop. I know you're smart. I know you've read. I also know you don't have a lawyer telling you that this is not a problem. You want to know how I know that? Because the lawyer would put himself at risk. And lawyers don't do that. So, how many loans have you done? How many houses have you bought? I said this to him yesterday. This is on a builder transaction. And I got, I got to maintain this relationship. And I can't be a doormat. So I'm like, hey. I said all that to him. I'm like, hey. So how many houses have you bought? He goes, I bought seven houses. I said, that's awesome. You're, you're doing great. You're so much farther ahead of everybody else, but you're not farther ahead than me. I've done 4,000 mortgages. I've seen people get foreclosed on that I personally knew. I know what I'm talking about. So we're either going to switch this one to investment property or we're going to refinance that one again to investment property. Those are your two choices or you're not buying that house. Which one do you pick? Some brain surgeon clothes. I'm ready to risk the relationship. So don't do that a lot. But when I'm done, I'm, I'm ready to go. I still want to get that loan. And I want to take care of the guy. He's just, he's letting his ego guide him, right? So sometimes I got to nudge him off of that. And that's a, called a brain surgeon close. Okay, we got about four or five minutes left. You got to do your little scan and your thing. While we're doing that, we'll take some questions. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Cool. Questions. You can holler it or wait for a mic. If you holler it, I'll repeat it. I think with the brain surgeon close, one of the things that I've had to come back to is why they engaged me in the first place. When they start telling me what they're going to do instead of taking my guidance and just stop them. And instead of saying, well, I do sometimes say that, like, do you, how many homes do you sell? I'll tell you how many I sell. And like, why did you seek me out in the first place? Yeah. So the one thing we missed is the triangle. So we've got to do it real quick. We have to. Yeah. Triangle for trust. It's a rapport building tactic. So, uh, we got four minutes, so we can't do it the way I want to do it. Uh, that that uh, the charity thing took a little bit of extra time. So one of the one of the things you all need to be experts at is a triangle for trust. So I'll do one, and, and Ben will do one. Ben will go first. There are three parts to the triangle for trust. Okay, so you want to write them down. A triangle for trust must have the word trust in it. It has to be used two or three times during the, during the triangle for trust close. So we got to do a rapport building tactic, a closing technique called triangle for trust. It has to include trust. It has to include what you both know about the common person. <coughs> it has to include what you both know about the common person. And you must close the triangle. 
You must close the triangle. What most of us don't do is close the triangle. So I'm ready, Ben. You ready? You're going to. You're closed. You're doing the triangle on me. I'm a referred list. I'm a house in Nashville, and um, and I want to. A referred listing in Nashville. A referred listing in Nashville. Yeah. All right. Ring, ring. Hey, this is Jim. Hey, Jim. This is Ben Wilson. How you doing today? Hey, Ben. How you doing? I've been expecting your call. Man, my buddy Todd, who I've been friends with for about 10 years has given me your number and he says that you're looking to sell your house here in Nashville. I am, man. It's time for us to move on. Why in the world are you selling your house in Nashville? Well, listen, I gotta, um, we gotta move my whole family out to California because the weather's so much better. Gotcha. Are you going to miss Todd when you're gone? I haven't thought about that. Hell yeah, I'm going to miss Todd. How do you even know Todd? Do we went, we were, do we met at a grocery store? We were, I was a checker and he was a bagger and then we were roommates too in college and we've just been together since. I'll tell you what. When I was talking to Todd, he was telling me that you all have been best friends for as long as he can remember. And you moving away is super emotional for him. And when he told me that, it made me think about some of my really close friends and how that would mean to him. And so Todd has become one of my close friends. And I'm going to probably have to fill that void for you now and void for him. <laughs> nice. Right? That sounds good. Yeah. And so I know how much... Todd trusts you, and he knows how much I trust him, and I think that you should trust me. But before we even get to anything that has to do with trust, I need to come and spend some time with you. Would you be okay if I come out to your house, sit down with you and your wife, and walk through all the things that you're going to have to do to get your house ready to put on the market? Yeah, he says that to 100 people. How many appointments will he get? 99, okay, 99, right? Now, it was blatant. He used the trust part. You can, like, it was like almost uncomfortable. And it totally works. Like, when I'm, when I'm with my, my loan officers and we're in front of a builder and I'm digging in and I'm asking why, why it's so important that they have a lender who has a pipeline meeting every week and they're like, it seems like a stupid question, right? You've got to dig in and go uncomfortable on this stuff. You can't skip it because it feels uncomfortable. If it feels uncomfortable, you're doing it right. If it feels comfortable, you're messing the whole thing up because <laughs> you're not going deep. That makes sense? Yep. All right, guys. You guys have been awesome. We appreciate you. Give it up for my man, Ben Wilson. Thank you, Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Core's Sales Training Boot Camp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.lacortraining.com.